Turn your Bibles to the uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 24 is where we're going to start this morning. And as you're turning there at a party, a young wife pulls her husband aside and begins to scold him. She says, this is the fourth time that you've gone back for cake and ice cream. Aren't you embarrassed? And he said, why should I be? I keep telling them it's for you. Guess that's the way to do it, man. Amen. Last week, we began to consider the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And on top of that, the most important question about his return. And that is simply, are you ready? Are you ready? For those who are ready, those who are born again, those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we have a peace about it. We have a a comfort. We actually have a, a, a hopeful anticipation for his return. For those who are not ready, those who are unsaved, those who are still lost and undone in their sins, for them, it's just fear and anxiety. And for some, it's just denial. But one thing is absolutely certain. There is no way to be neutral about the subject. Amen? No neutral ground when we talk about the return of Christ. I also want to reiterate from last week as we, you know, we take this journey into Bible prophecy, not just with the subject of the return of Christ, but any Bible prophecy, but we'll we'll stick with the return of Christ, the imminent return of Christ. We have to be very careful and make sure that we stay balanced in our approach. Amen. Anytime we look at Bible prophecy, we have to stay balanced. If we go too far to the right, then we can be uh, caught up in the snare of being a fanatical. We begin to, you know, kind of overreact to Jesus' second coming. Yes, absolutely, he is coming. Amen. But we still have a purpose that God has given us. We still have responsibilities. We still have commitments that we cannot ignore. We're not to go out and, you know, quit our jobs and and sell our homes just to wait for the return of Christ. That's not God's purpose for us. His coming is absolutely sure. But only God knows the day and the hour. Now, we go too far to the left then we become apathetics. We begin to lose interest in Christ's return. Now, although we don't know the exact day and hour, God has given us many signs to let us know that the hour is right upon us. Amen? And as such, we have to be concerned. We have to stay involved in the church and its efforts to to spread the gospel. As a child of God, we we have to have that sense of urgency for the lost, knowing that Christ's return is imminent, because there's many, many souls in the balance. So this morning, I want to start off, and I want us to consider what Jesus himself had to say 
about his second coming. And let's start in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, and we'll skip down to verse 36. But of that day and hour, this is Jesus speaking to us, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now, a lot of people say, well, well preacher, what's wrong with eating and drinking? We have to eat and drink in order to stay alive and, and marrying and giving in marriage. What God is telling us here is that these are things that we do every day, right? Every day we have to eat, we drink, people get married every single day. What God is telling us here is that in the days of Noah, people were just going on about their daily business, their everyday grind, without giving God a second thought. That was the problem. Amen? So we have to understand that concept, and, and, and he's comparing that to our day today. He said they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, verse 39, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, then the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, then the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Let's go over to the next chapter, Matthew 25. We're just going to catch one verse, verse 31. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, and as you study the Bible, you'll see that that is Jesus' favorite name for himself, the Son of Man. He loved to, to identify his humanity so that we could relate to him. So that was the favorite title he used of himself. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Now, I want you to notice something. The verses that we read in, in chapter 24, and especially how uh, verse 31 in, in chapter 25 starts off. You notice there it's not if he comes, but what? It's when he comes. Amen? That's what I want us to, to take note of. Now, skip over to Mark chapter 8. Gospel of Mark chapter 8, skipping down to verse 34. When Jesus had called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now I want to pause here for, for just a second. And I want us to kind of understand the concept. These words that, that Jesus spake here, they had to just absolutely stun his disciples. You see, they were expecting Jesus to establish his kingdom right then and right there. Amen? They were expecting Jesus to come and, and set up his kingdom right before their very eyes. They were anticipating a political Messiah that would rule in their day and in their generation. They believed that Jesus had come. They believed he was Messiah. But they believed that he had come to, to overthrow Rome, because they were under Roman rule at the time, to overthrow Rome and all the other enemies of Israel right before their very eyes. But, it was on that dark night, in that upper room in Jerusalem, that Jesus had his last supper with them. We're all familiar with that story, the Last Supper. And it was there that he made it very clear that he was not staying with them. In fact, he let them know that he had to go away. Let's go over to the Gospel of John chapter 14. Very well-known passage of Scripture, but many don't realize that this passage of Scripture occurred right after the Last Supper. Jesus said in, in verse 1, John 14, verse 1, He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What was Jesus telling them? He was letting them know that he can't stay. He had to go away. Right here in verse 1, he said, uh, uh, let not your heart be troubled. Then he says, in my father's house are many mansions. Now, that word mansions in the original Greek simply means a dwelling place. There are many dwelling places in my father's house. Where is his father's house? In heaven. Amen. Jesus was letting us know that there is room for everyone. There are plenty of dwelling places in heaven. Then he says... I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I want us to pay particular attention to that word place. Because Jesus is letting us know that heaven is an actual place. Amen? We need to understand that. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a dream. It's not just a, a nice idea. It's not a state of mind that comes from a, a deep spirituality or meditation. 
It is an absolute place that Jesus went to to prepare for those who are his. To prepare for those who are ready. Amen? He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and then I will what? Come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you will be also. That is a promise that Jesus gives all those who are ready. Every born-again believer, he says, I am going to prepare a place for you in heaven. And I will what? Come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That means we will never, ever again be separated from our precious Lord. That is a wonderful promise that Jesus is giving to every single believer. Whether they've already gone on to be with the Lord or who are still remain as as you and I do today. Jesus declares, I will come again. That's our comfort and our blessed hope as children of God. Amen. Now, skip down to verse 28, same chapter, John 14, skip down to verse 28. Jesus said, you have heard me say to you, I am going away and what? Coming back. I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would uh, rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. Jesus makes it very clear here. So there's no room for any uh, doubts, no room for any misunderstandings, no room for any questions. He flat repeats, I am coming back. The return of Jesus Christ is sure. Now, for sake of time, I'm going to summarize the events that that happened next. After the Last Supper, Jesus is arrested and he's put on trial. And although no fault is found in him, he's sentenced to death and he's crucified at Calvary. He's buried and he rose again on the third day. He was the first to be resurrected and appear in his new glorified body. Amen? He appeared to various people at various times over 39 days. Now, on the 40th day after his resurrection, Jesus had gathered his disciples together on the Mount of Olives. Now, you may remember hearing that in today's scripture reading in the book of Zechariah. That is the very place that Jesus will what? Return. Amen? book of Zechariah told us that when Jesus returns, he's going to stand on the top of Mount, on the Mount of Olives, and it will split in two. Half will go to the east and half will go to the west. So here, 40 days after his resurrection, he gathers his disciples together, and they're on Mount, uh, the Mount of Olives. The scars still fresh in his hands and his feet and his sides. Their eyes fixed upon the resurrected Christ. Now let's skip over to Acts chapter 1. 
apologize. We we're hitting a lot of scripture this morning. So setting the stage. Again, they're gathered together, Christ with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. Acts chapter 1, skip down to verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, Jesus and his disciples, the disciples asked Christ, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Even after his resurrection, what were they expecting? They were expecting Jesus to set up his kingdom right then and there. And they flat asked him. They said, Lord, will you at this time, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now look at verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, Jesus was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Can you imagine? Here they are gathered with Christ. They had all the events that had taken place in the last month and a half. You know, they've heard him uh, uh, preach. They've seen his miracles. They, they heard his words. But then they saw him arrested. They saw him crucified. And they thought, that was it. All, all of our hope that we had placed in this man, and then he was crucified. But then three days later, he's resurrected from the dead, from the grave over death, over our enemies. And now he's appearing once again to them. And he gathers them together on the Mount of Olives, and they thought, okay, now he's going to set up his kingdom. And right as he's speaking to them, what happens? He's taken up. Right before their very eyes. Can you picture their faces as they watched him ascend into heaven? Now let's look at verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as Jesus went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, listen to what they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Did you catch that? This same Jesus that you watched ascend up into heaven is coming back. Amen? These two angels, and they were absolutely angels, these two angels appear and speak to them. What is their message? He's coming back. Don't just stand around looking up. Get ready. That is their message. Stop standing around and waiting for Jesus to come. You need to get ready. And that's my message for us today as well. Are you ready? Have you been getting ready? Amen? Let's go to the last book in the Bible, book of Revelation. 
Go to chapter 22, skip down to verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride, the church, all born-again believers, say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Skip down to verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Surely, Jesus said, I am coming quickly. Now, there's no doubt the book of Revelation is the the most thorough and most significant book on Bible prophecy in all the New Testament, without a shadow of a doubt. Now, we talk about the Old Testament. That book would be the book of Daniel, probably the most thorough and most important book containing Bible prophecy. Now, stuck in between Daniel and the book of Revelation is an extremely important passage in the book of 1 Corinthians. Let's flip there, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Amen? Everybody catch that? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. What are our bodies made of? Flesh and blood. So these physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. What God is teaching us here, he's teaching us about the reality of mortality. In other words, the reality of death. Amen? This reality becomes more evident as as we get older, doesn't it? Every time we look in a mirror, as we get older, what do we see? More wrinkles. We see more age spots on our face. Amen? These are the marks of mortality. Those wrinkles, those age spots, those are marks of corruption. They're marks that show that we are what? We're dying. That's the reality of life is that each and every day that we live, we get closer to death. It's the reality that our body is decaying. And why is it decaying? Because the effects of what? Sin. Amen? The reality is that our bodies are decaying because of sin. That's the effects of sin. So in order for these old bodies to last throughout eternity, as we see here in this verse, to inherit the kingdom of God, where did Jesus go? To prepare a place for us. 
to inherit the kingdom of God. In order for these old bodies to inherit the kingdom of God, to be able to last through eternity, there has to be some type of change, doesn't there? Let's keep reading, verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Now, that word mystery means a lot different from what we think of mystery today. Amen? It's not like the uh, mystery mobile that, uh, you know, Char- or, uh, Scooby-Doo and his pals ride around in. A mystery in Bible times was something that previously was unknown. It was a new revelation that God gave us. And God gave this revelation to the Apostle Paul. He was writing this letter to the church at Corinth. God gave him a revelation. And that's what he's about to tell us. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be what? Changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So what was the revelation that God gave the Apostle Paul? That revelation is that God has prepared a new glorified body for every single born-again believer. And that glorified body is much like the one that Jesus appeared to all those that he appeared to those 30, uh, 40 days after his resurrection. The disciples, right after he was crucified, they were all huddled up in an upper room, you know, hiding from, uh, from the Romans. They were scared for their life. They just saw this great man, the one that they believed was Messiah. They just saw him crucified. And then right in the midst, who appeared? Jesus did. Just appeared. Thomas wasn't there the first time, but the second time Thomas was. That's where we get the phrase, doubting Thomas. Thomas said, Lord, I won't believe until I see the scars. I need to touch them. And Jesus revealed them. So that glorified body is not a spirit body. Like the Bible tells us that God is spirit. That means he has no physical attributes whatsoever. So it's not a spirit body. It is a spiritual body. Which means it has some physical attributes and some spiritual attributes. Jesus was able to come and go as he pleased, appear, disappear, but yet, He still had those scars on his hands and his feet and in his side. At times, he even ate with his followers. 
So God has prepared for us this glorified body that is incorruptible, it's imperishable, it is immortal. Amen? Death, aging, sin, none of those things have effect on that new glorified body. Now, again, I want to emphasize it is sin as to why we are dying, plain and simple. The wages of sin is what? Death. That's the reality of our sinful nature. It's because of sin that we are dying. And not just physically, but more importantly, what? We were dead spiritually. It was sin that separated us. From a holy and a righteous, sinless God. We were helplessly and we were hopelessly lost in those sins. But that's, that's where God's unconditional life, uh, love came in. Amen? This is where Jesus stepped in and he took our place on an old rugged cross where he shed his precious blood and he died for us. Jesus took our place and he died in order for us to what? To live. In order for us to be able to exchange that mortality for immortality. To exchange this old syndicate body for a new glorified body. He gave his life so that we can have everlasting life. Romans 5.8 God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for me, he died for you. Jesus has done all the work in order to make us ready. Amen? He's done all the work to make us ready for his return. The question is, how about you? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You see, that is the only way that we can truly make ourselves ready. Amen? So that leaves us with that question. Are you ready?